Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And the beat goes on. Remember that song? Is that the beat? And the beat goes on. I feel like we may be hitting an age conflict here. Yes, we are. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, that was a hit from Sonny and Cher. And I think you and Sammy weren't even sperm back then. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. It's not, not a recently dropped single, no. And yet, Mitch Marner... 20 games, the Leafs, consecutive points in, I believe, 11 games, Sammy. It is off the charts and a very, I don't know, dare, dare I say impressive win by the Toronto Maple Leafs for many different reasons. What it's not like say? they, Monty, you got to drop in there, Derek. <laughs> He said he hit the wrong button. He hit the wrong button. <laughs> so they were doing okay. You do. There it is. Derek, I can't even get mad at him because he's been so good on his drop-ins probably for about a month, month and a half now. So when he screws up, I, I, I'm completely backing off him. Sorry, boys. That was a Shogren, uh errant pass. <laughs> it's all right. If uh, Sammy, is he out of the woods in his lineup lately? His lineup's been pretty, pretty solid. Oh, God. Don't read it too close. So what do we make out of last night's shutout by Matt Murray? 44 saves. Uh, it, was it impressive? Was it not impressive? Do we look at it and go, you know, the, the hockey gods are, are going for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. They're getting all the bounces. They're getting all the uh, block shots. They're getting all of this, all of that. Uh, or do you go, yeah, they beat, a, they beat a pretty good team last night. You know, there there was a day when you could look at a road win and not care how it went. And to me, that uh, there's got to be an element of that with that great performance by the Leafs. That was a heart effort game. Matt Murray was unbelievable. Uh, the Money Puck, moneypuck.com, with 5.97... Uh, oh, you're jumping right into this, Dad, oh, yeah. are you not? Goal saved above expected. Matt Murray's performance versus Dallas is the best for a goalie in a shutout since modern stats started, according to Fancy Numbers. And that was, I think, last February modern stats started. <laughs> was right? it that recent? It I feels like it. I don't know. It does feel like that. Yeah, it does you, feel can impossible. Can we not go back to, like, in the mid-'80s and take one or two... Uh, right. Uh, you know, Grant Fuhrer's games and, and plug right. in those numbers or the, it's just impossible. Right. But apparently, yeah, Ron Tugnut there at the big, big number. But yes, apparently uh, this is one so of the more impressive. Th- save uh, from money percentage. pucks now, does this kind of uh, uh, go into, uh, he, he had the greatest performance in NHL history over 60 minutes He's now. the greatest goalie of all time. <laughs> he, is, he is now... Yeah, Hall of Fame goalie. But but it really if, was an unbelievable showing for Murray, If right? Matt Murray played for Arizona and beat Dallas last night for nothing, would we be speaking of uh would would Money Puck actually uh bother to put the yeah. number crunch those numbers? I don't know. We're talking about old Vidge Melka, but it really was a great game, and particularly on the penalty kill, right? Your your best penalty killer is always your goaltender. Uh Dallas had seven power plays last night. So Shout out to Matt Murray. Unbelievable showing. Looked rock solid. All right, Tammy. Sorry, boys. I was, I was doing something show related that I had to run. Doing so, <laughs> are you good, Sammy? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. Um, like, listen, we, we cannot, we cannot uh, g- gauge the temperature of this thing until we hear from you. Oh, boys. I am completely all in on Matt Murray. 
Yeah. How could you not be? I'm like, you know, at my core, I'm a fan of the team, and the team is playing really well, and one of the main reasons is elite professional goaltending. And yeah. that's something that the Leafs haven't had except last year in the start of the season. I guess was it till the end of December that, um, that uh, Jack was good? Yeah, around, around there. now. Around now is when it kind of yeah. turned and wasn't good. So maybe <laughs> cautionary tale here maybe, but I right now am all in on believing in this. The like, juice is good, eh? <laughs> I'm just wor- I'm worried still. Still. Still every shot that goes cross crease or every stretch or every guy that crashes into him, which seems to be five a game now, I'm worried about him in terms of injury. Yeah, I can't say but, when Mason Marchman put Austin Matthews onto his chest, I thought he was going to just get up and play goal after that. But outside of that, like it's... I mean, and he he couldn't like I said like he couldn't imagine this. He, he's got that classic goaltender look where he's just playing the percentages. He's square to the totally. shooter, blocking goalie. I'm, I'm I'm big, or at least my equipment is. My equipment is. <laughs> I'm taking my chances that I'm in the right spot. It's yeah. going to hit me, and uh, it it has if if it gets through. Yeah, and I mean pretty quiet. Yeah, if it gets through is a good point. A lot of shot blocking last game, but. Yeah, the um, post-to-post, he looks pretty good. The Nets staying on the moorings, even with that. So, shout out to Matt Murray after, uh, you know, the first game of the year. There were some punchline vibes about this guy, right? You know, coming out of Ottawa, and he comes here as a bad first game and then gets injured. It was was ugly. Is it? There's two sides to this, that you're genuinely excited if you're a Leaf fan for for what Matt, Matt has brought and what you hope will continue. Um, but there's the other side that says, hey, isn't it kind of like the same record playing that uh, we spun last year with Jack Campbell? Were mm-hmm. we not in the same position of speaking of Jack Campbell and what he was able to do in the historic numbers that he was able to stretch out yep. going into a all-star appearance and there's no question that Matt Murray's on that same trajectory of he, he will play in the all-star game in He's January leading the NHL his road save percentage is best in the NHL among goalies who played 300 plus minutes so like he's an all-star right now feels the same though doesn't it like so it Leaf does. fans have played this picture before with their goaltender but if I'm a Leafs 12, fan I'm like all this Leafs. guy has to be is not the worst in the league and you have better goaltending on some and, for the year and the other side of it, Sammy's not worried about not being uh or being one of the worst in the league he's just worried about him being healthy right that, that's my true. number one concern is health with him no doubt and I think that's why that's the number one thing that concerns me with him but I also think when we talked about Jack last year we also talked about how he'd never proven himself as a starting goalie in the NHL and, like, this was a, his hottest stretch and it was his best stretch of hockey he's ever played. I don't know if that's the case for Matt Murray right now. Like, he's Who obviously having – he's he's played really good for a lot of years for good teams and won cups. And, like, the pedigree of a starting NHL goaltender who knows the ups and downs and everything is there – and that wasn't there with Jack Campbell. So I, was I would say that's, that last the, night. that's the key difference for me when you're making the comparison about it yeah. falling off a cliff last year. Like, there's one thing coming to Toronto and wanting to impress the fans and not be fall into their bad books. But there's another thing, okay, you establish yourself as the guy, and it's like, he's been in big pressure spots. He's won, as you mentioned, Stanley Cups. He's He has that to fall back on, and Campbell didn't when the bottom yes. started to, to drop yeah. out. And that's an excellent point, and I would think that uh, if you're the Ottawa Senators, yet again, coming off a loss... 
Cam Talbot struggled Yank. last night. Do you not look at Matt Murray and go, like, what the? Listen, <laughs> what? No way Matt Murray Come looks on, like this it. in Ottawa behind that say D. It, Sammy, Listen, say it. As a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, I've taken a lot of joy in Ottawa Senators' failures. But having the Ottawa Senators pay a quarter of his <laughs> contract and give the Leafs a draft pick to take him, and now he's got the second-best save percentage in the NHL, and he's starring for his favorite team, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Senators are having goaltending that. I think they had a 670 save percentage almost, last night. Almost as good as knocking them out in, in a playoff round. What, the, the Sens? Yeah, and, and Matt Murray. Like, like that would be fun. What, yeah. uh, but I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. No, no, so no, no. I, I'm saying, where does this rank for you in terms of rubbing it in Ottawa's face for you? Is this equivalent to almost knocking them out of the playoffs? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, you know, I just watched hockey so much differently when they were knocking the, the Sens out of the playoffs. It's just such a different thing than it was then. But I Back when you had joy and were free. Yeah, when I didn't have to like <laughs> stare at my phone and hear a bunch of people's opinions I don't care about telling me what's wrong with the team. But uh, yeah, I just it's a different time. But I think it's pretty sweet, and I think Just, a lot of Leaf fans are taking laps on it. It, right it is quite remarkable that we were talking this time last year. If we're talking about how great Jack Campbell was this time last year, this is probably the time you're you're you were ripping on Matt Murray in Ottawa, yeah. and uh, to the point where he's he's sent to the minors. Like it is quite remarkable the up, the down, mm-hmm. and then the back up. This is the thing that nobody has goaltending figured out, which is I think why Dubas would say he made the bet he made is that anyone kind of in this realm that has some pedigree, you know, they can have a good year at any given time, and you just got to put those guys in a position to succeed and cross your fingers. And I don't know. uh, You almost wonder again if you're you're a projected owner now and you want to go and kind of do a forensic (laughs) thing on the Ottawa Senators, (laughs) though. Like... Wouldn't you want to revisit well, so what that happened whole here? What, 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 yeah. Why? Okay, I'm about so to... So that guy who's I'm good for to, them I'm that about, I'm paying. I'm about to spend a billion dollars <laughs> on this team, and, and you're the general manager. Yeah. And um, we had this guy, and now he's on Toronto's team. Can yeah. you explain to me what happened there? And I'd say, hey, Pierre Dorio. Isn't Pierre Dorio a lo- loyal guy? <laughs> Isn't that, didn't we establish that you're a loyal guy? Doesn't seem very uh, loyal. Let me Pierre Dorian. Pierre Dorian is very loyal. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem like you're very loyal to that good player. We get Matt Murray on to, Listen. to ask him if that's true. So you thought Cam Talbot was better. That So explain that thought Yeah, process. just walk me through how we got to this that's conclusion. That's true. Like, yeah. listen, they obviously... Anyway, it, no it victory was, laps here no, no. in Murray, but... Oh, it no, was no, no. Sa- you know Ottawa fans are listening to our show <laughs> right now going... Wait, just wait. Yeah, just wait. Wait, when Sammy's uh, goaltenders uh, in traction in March. I think it's it's, uh, probably a lot of sour grapes on both sides when it comes to Murray and the Sens. I'm sure they're pretty sick of him, and he was probably pretty sick of them. So it was good good on Dubas for taking advantage of a situation where he thought that he could get something out of him. But, yeah, Yeah. listen, over under two and a half weeks missed for the rest of the year for Matt Murray. Over. My my Sens fan buddy texted me. He said, yeah, everything's great. You just have to hope he doesn't sneeze wrong from here till you know, January and you'll be fine. Can happen. Yeah. Bumped a couple of games. That's good for him, eh? To get bumped and get yeah, back I up. Think and so. like, Good for his confidence. I think so. And, and those are some healthy runs that, uh, you know, I mean, he, was, he, he had enough time to kind of 
brace himself a little bit, maybe just put his body in a position where he could absorb a lot of it. But it hasn't really affected him to f- close out games. I, I think those are all excellent signs. Mm-hmm. No, I do too. And yeah, again, it's about his confidence and feeling like he's back established as a guy, and that should help. All right, let's go to uh, Sheldon Keefe on uh, his star goaltender, Matt Murray. It's perfect. You know, it's perfect on the score sheet. It's perfect in the game. Came up with huge saves and big moments. Obviously, the number of penalties we took today could have been a real problem for us. But you know, Murr was really solid. That five on three is incredible. Uh, so yeah, he was outstanding. Happy for him. Let's just jump into the five on three, and then we'll break down uh, Sheldon's comments. Hold on. <laughs> now I. You're, you're hoping that they're going to take a shot and we're going to allow our goalie to freeze it and reset. You know, just the number of penalties we had taken there, we were really, we were asking for trouble, obviously. But, I mean, I can't say enough about how our guys competed, you know. Um, but, you know, whether it's, you know, Mitch in that case, no stick. He's doing all that he can to help us. And, you know, our defenseman back there, you not only kill a 5 on 3 but you get... Gio and Halsey, the two guys in the box, and so we're asking Sandy and Lily out there. And to me, those guys had an incredible, incredible game tonight. Like those two young guys took on a lot here tonight, and we're, we're really, really good. That uh, end of second period sequence mm-hmm. was like crazy. I remember, you know, that's hockey. You know, where you just it, like so you got to throw caution to the it, wind it, and just play. It felt like playoff hockey there, yeah. didn't it? Where just, you're just uh, at that point of of your season where you feel like everything's on the line, it's it's kind of hard to kind of believe that we were talking about end of November, early December, yeah. yet it had that kind of feel, that desperate feel to block a shot or get a puck out or do whatever you have to do to keep it out. Very golf. They, they don't ask how, they ask how many. It's just like something, you just got to find a way. The funniest part of that whole thing to me, because it was a wild sequence, but at the end of it, when the whist- when the horn goes, Sandine skated over to Murray like they had won the game. He well, like he like went over to him and no, like kind of put his, ar- he put his arm bit. around him. And they're like kind of you did the celebrate fist bump. when a guy scores a goal. If you can't go put your well, arm around the, a goalie after just, that, I thought it was hilarious yeah. the way it looked. He just was like, yeah, oh my god, it feels like we won. <laughs> well, Sandine didn't kill the penalty since he was yeah. seventeen years old or something. So, yeah. Uh, what did we say? Another seven penalties or something? What yeah. was it? Dallas had the second or third best power play coming into the game in the league, and they went 0 for 7. 0 for 7. Yeah. Yeah, also Mitch Marner on the power player and the penalty kill was better than any Dallas player in the power play. That helped. The amount of time creating, he read another one where they tried to bump it back in their own zone, and Marner and just sees it before everyone else and says, like, thanks. Like it. Like a safety intercepting passes downfield or something. Might have to decline when you play against Marner, and you might have to decline a penalty. Yeah, I mean it's that good. You know, I, we were going to talk tonight, um, doing a little television tonight about McDavid killed penalties for the first time basically this year. The he other scored day, scored a shorthander, right? Was really good. And thinking of guys around the league who are so good at creating these situations, it's basically Marchand, uh, Bergeron, and Marner. You know that are so dangerous both ways. They're the, they got to be the best at it. Most of the penalties you're you're okay with. The one that just you kind of shake your head and you know the the decor have been terrific mm-hmm. as a group. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Lilligren and, and Sandine. But uh, then you know you you watch a, a Justin Hall who's 
come back and played some big minutes for them and provided him. But the the brain cramp of grabbing the puck that, I and mean, throwing it is the one that tells me that every once in a while this guy could just do something well, like out of the ordinary. I think and that, we all that, can. Where you're no, just like, no, 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 no. Not like that. That not was the like most that. tired brain move I've ever seen. It, it, <laughs> it was, was just, I don't know another word. No, it's a brain fart. Dumb. Yeah, it Just was dumb. totally dumb. But he's not that type of guy typically. Like that is so out of character. To I think of him as a fairly cerebral guy. To it was just like I, I don't know where you, it came from. I, maybe it's because he, you're maybe, playing in Dallas. Maybe he's trying to bat it and he and, uh, grabs it and you know that don't make no sense. <laughs> I don't know. It's it was they dumb. love their cowboys, so dumb. I want to look like a quarterback. I don't know. <laughs> he did get to the box, and you could just see him being like. What did I just do? Yeah. Ray Ferraro on the broadcast was like, oh, he saw the free agent uh, prices for pitching, and he wanted, <laughs> <laughs> he, wanted to, uh, he wanted to test his arm. You know, in Liar Liar, Jim Carrey has that scene where he's like, I've had better? I, and he can't believe he said it. That was Justin Hall in the box. He was just like, what have I, what have I done? What is wrong with me? Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, is that the best we've seen out of Sandine and Lilligren? If if we would have talked about these two guys being a pair at the beginning of the season, How's their uh, TOI? we would have just uh, looked at each other like we all had three heads. I know. And it's now it's starting to feel like this is a legit thing. And could we possibly see in the second half this continue into a run in the playoffs yeah. where we see Sandine and Lilligren paired? I always felt like they couldn't play together. Because there was no physical element, no one to clear the net front. You know, who's going to... I worry about them both kind of taking chances up the rink. It didn't feel like they could work together. And I think their games have evolved to where they can work together. Like Lilligren, 26 minutes last night, seven and a half minutes of penalty kill time. Like how good did Lilligren look? Just you were saying coming in today, how impressed you were with him. Yes. Yeah, I thought uh, the poise that he has now compared to what we saw all last season. Yeah. Like, it, it's night and day. Yeah. Let's go to Sheldon on his uh, his young pair on the blue line. I think you learn a lot about their character. You know, like, you, you're, the team needs them to step up in a big way, and they've they've done exactly that. Like, those guys played hard today. They played a lot of minutes tired, too. Like, you're down to five defensemen. You know, one's Connor Timmons, who's, you know, playing his first game with us, and not taking on a whole lot, um, so a lot's fallen on those those two young guys. We, you know, we've come to expect Gio and Hall to do a really good job for us, but those two have really stepped up here today. You know, um, like I said they played hard, they moved the puck well, they were physical, competitive, and a lot. They're doing it a lot on a half a tank, you know, and then, and, and uh, the bottom of their tank a lot of times. So, yeah, impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. Uh, but then just something that you just said that kind of still, and this can't be answered during the regular season. It can't. But, you know, if they're tired and exhausted now, what will it look like in a best of seven against a Dallas or Tampa Bay? Well, hopefully they're playing where 15 minutes, not 25 at that point. Is injuries, penalties. Yeah. There are nights, again, where the type of game that we saw last night could factor in in a game two, game three, game four. Yeah. And physically, 
will there always be that element that we don't know until we know? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's just not enough time to see him in enough situations to know that they're over the hump. I mean, the good thing is Sandine went from how bad did Sandine look for the first five hockey games this year or whatever? He looks good. He looked really good. He's physical, you know, scores a goal, killing penalties. So, yeah, it's tough to say what they're going to look like that far down the road. But didn't that to you kind of like that was a, the most eye opening game for me with those two guys so far? That they could handle that. Like, I, I mean, that. they've played well for this whole stretch since Riley and Brody have been out, I think. I think they've kind of been gaining confidence for every sure. game. And it's been good for them game. to have these opportunities. But I think last night was the most eye opening game to me. Where I was like, oh, okay, these guys could legitimately play together as a third pair in a playoff series. Because that's wow, a, that's the type of that's the wow, type of team you're wow, wow, wow. <laughs> that's the type of team you're going to be going against in the playoffs. Like you said, it's a big team, yeah. and they handled the physicality. I even thought that you know Sandine threw his weight yes, around a little bit. He did. Lilligren too. So I don't like them playing twenty. What did, what did you say, Lilligren ended up twenty six? Yeah, maybe not that much in a playoff series. <laughs> maybe not Kale McCarr if playing that. But, like, if he's playing 17 or 18 in a playoff series, I think I'm okay with it. We did get a little sample size of the big fish eating the little fish last night when Victor Mete left the game Mm -hmm. early. Yeah. In terms of why he left the game or? Well, no, that that a bigger team likes to still attack uh, smaller players on. Yeah. That, that put the team in a tough spot, too, because it was Timmons' first game as a Maple Leaf, and all of a sudden the time on ice numbers, Hall's 26 minutes, you know, Sandine's yeah. 24, Geo's 23 yeah. and a half. Like. Yeah, and, and Timmons made his debut. Yep. The first thing you notice outside of him falling. That he, yeah. Uh, on, a, on a, I don't know, he had skate poor, issue. Poor guy poor wore guy. rollerblades in the first period. <laughs> Come on. I was, hey, wear skate guards. <laughs> yeah. I, thought somebody, I thought somebody maybe put the like the tape trick on the bottom of yeah. his blade or something. Like, this guy was, grew up, I think he's a Toronto guy. Isn't Gifted he's from the skater. Air? Oh, yeah. He's, like, grew up diehard Leaf fan, like, dreams of this moment. Finally, after two weeks of sitting on the sideline, gets into the game. And he just falls. Like, just what do you fall? Like a child, times? yeah. Uh, actually, to be honest, uh, SDA did in his first shift, too. Went to go get going up the ice and just fell randomly. It's like, oh, it's nerves. It's got to be nerves. I fell, too. My first game as a Leaf, but it was in a morning practice because Doug Gilmore untied my skate when I wasn't looking. Come on. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crazy. on the bench waiting for line changes, right? We're doing line rushes. Yeah. And he's talking to me, pretending to tie his own to skate. To tie his own skate. He's untying mine. <laughs> and now I'm get, so I'm out brutal. there and I get the wobbles, and the next thing you know, I'm falling. And there's Pat the late Pat Burns looking at me like like You can't even skate. Can you send him back? Yeah. Can we still get the bucket? I gotta be honest, that's pretty terrible to do to a guy who's trying so hard to make a good impression. <laughs> like that's crummy. You know, that is that era though. So it may, maybe somebody did something. No, I don't think <laughs> yeah. so. I don't think but, so. But hey, for Timmons, I thought, you know, we didn't talk about it before the show. I thought he came around. Yes. You know, I that first period was rough. But I thought he had a good second and a great third. Made some good plays with the puck. Uh, nice to see a guy back there who was six foot two, wasn't it? All right, let's get uh, Sheldon on SDA and Timmins. Timmins. Well, tough games. Really... No, no, it is Timmins. Sorry, he just said the sheets. Why up. did you spell Timmins? <laughs> oh God, what is wrong just, with you? I just wanted to bust his. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no worries. Let's carry I almost on with the said show. it too. <laughs> you know he'll say anything you write on the teleprompter. Yes. All right, let's do it. Well, tough games to really, really evaluate them in, to be honest. There's long stretches between their shifts. I thought uh, Timmons in particular definitely got better as the game wore on. The more reps he got, 
very smart guy with the puck. I thought he moved the puck very efficiently. Uh, he, he makes a real good defensive play in the third period where Ben's coming in with a ton of speed and he really gets in his way and slows him up. That was really good to see. So to that end, uh, you know, I think I'm happy with his performance. I thought with STA, tough to evaluate him today. We really liked the defensive play he made on his very first shift, protecting the net and, and broke up a play. Aside from that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot happening. But again, tough, tough day to play your first NHL game where you're sitting for long periods of time watching the special teams. The one thing that is instantaneous when you when you look at him, he's he's big, he's bigger. Timmons. Yeah. Okay. And he's a right-handed shot. Yeah. What so, a combo. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're in, kid. <laughs> a nice, different look. Yeah, I agree. And you know, he he made some nice breakout passes. Um, you know, like I said, rough first period where it didn't always connect. But you know, give him some time to get his feet under him. By yeah. all counts, he's got pedigree, some size, right shot. And if Sammy's worried about Matt Murray staying healthy. That's the number one thing with this guy. I think he missed a full year. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he makes Kasha look durable. <laughs> oh, man. Then that's just it with him. Yeah. He has to stay healthy. He has to go on a run. And uh, just show that... Uh, he he can get into that that swing again because he was yeah. a he was a top prospect. He's he going to run out of time, unfortunately, with this team. Like when Brody comes back, you know, I, I guess Mete's hurt, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe he can stay in for a little bit because he. I'd like to see him get a run of hockey games where I, you just get a sense of if you can use him come playoffs. I got to be honest, I just I already like him more than I like Mete. Yeah, you know, like he's big and skates and has a right handed. I know Stick. the old like Kipper just taught us yesterday to not say I'm not trying to be a Neanderthal, but like <laughs> without saying that, which I just kind of, <laughs> you know, big is good. He's big. It's nice. It is. Nice to see him look like a hockey player out there. I want to go to, uh, I want to talk a little Sheldon Keefe, but let's listen to him on this recent stretch of we can't do anything wrong. Just the resilience, I would say, you know, the resilience of our group and goaltending, you know, like the goaltending has been really good and given us a chance, you know, when we've, when we've been overwhelmed a little bit at times and with our injuries, you come to expect that that's going to happen at times. You're going to need big plays from, you know, from our guys, whether that's the goalies or whether that's our game breakers on forward. Um, but just the resilience of the group on how they've defended when they need to come up with big goals at key times when we need to, whether it's today, you know, our first period was not good here today, but we got our chances and we made good on them. So that's big. You know, look at the power play goal we scored in Tampa in the third period when we really needed a power play goal. Those guys go out and get it for us to, to make sure we get a point. Uh, so just the resilience as I reflect on, on this the stretch that we've been through uh, speaks a lot to the character and the growth of the group because we've relied on guys, to, you know, especially on defense, to play in spots that that they hadn't uh, in a lot of cases. You know, whether it's Sandy Lilligren that we've talked about or Holloway, Mete, Timmins tonight. So that's a really good sign and very healthy for our team. Is this the best stretch of coaching we've seen out of Sheldon Keefe since he's been named? Yes. It is. I had that same thought last night where I was like, you know, you're missing three pretty significant defenders and you're on the road playing a team that's tops in their division. And, you know, so I got, I get this thing from sport logic after the game, just like, you know, general sort of stats and, you know, a little bit deeper stuff. 
Last night at even strength, the Dallas Stars had the puck in the Leafs zone for way more time than the Leafs had it in theirs. They had it in theirs over 20 minutes, and they barely had an expected goal. Like, the Leafs had three expected goals off their small amount of zone time. So Dallas, even when they're in the zone, they defended really well at keeping them outside and not giving them anything dangerous. Yeah, the one thing that uh, has been so noticeable over the last uh, run of consecutive points that the Leafs have been able to pick up is how everything is inside to the outside. Mm-hmm. Come back to the middle. Work Come back way. to the middle yeah. and push everything. Either either block the shot or it gets pushed back out to the walls. Let them shoot it from out there. And if it's not, if it's not getting through to Matt Murray, um, he's there when it does. Yeah. But there are a lot. And there's Dallas may have been in the zone for a long time, but they could not get it to the middle of the ice and really have some some clean looks mm-hmm. to create second and third chances. Yeah, and that's a good point too. The follow-up chances are not there where he makes a save and all of a sudden he's scrambling and it's, you know, more yeah. and more and more. Um, just to have, just for Sheldon to have buy-in on that yeah. and have everybody... Everybody contribute. There's a lot of people who are willing to fire this guy a month ago, and hopefully the the tune has changed a little bit. Um, you know, they're now third in the Eastern Conference in winning percentage behind Boston and the New Jersey Devils. So quality climb here from the old Leafers. <laughs> it does feel like a million years ago with the stuff at the start of the year. It's just tough to believe you can watch that team play like they did here and during this stretch. And think about that California road trip. I don't, like, I'm not just saying this because we talked about it a lot, but I don't think you were unfair in the thoughts that we had. No. At that point. Wow, they were just underperforming. They were awful. Yeah, they were awful. Awful. They were awful. And, And, you know. Good question about why. We still don't really have that answer. Well, I'll tell you why. Because their stars weren't stars. Right. That's why. Yeah. And, listen, with all due respect, their four guys who are making $40 million are playing like they're. There's a reason why we asked for half the salary right. cap. Yeah. And they are carrying the team. So, the only way this, this whole thing works that Dubas built is if those four guys are exceptional and they get gold. They're, they're not. I still look at other teams and I, I'll use New Jersey as an example. Like, they have. Four, I think, really good lines right now. Solid, yep. And they will roll four lines. And Lindy is in a position where if his fourth line is out against a first line, he's not overly concerned. He might be seeking that match. I don't get the same feeling from Sheldon Keefe. Still searching for what their fourth line is. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, is is there a chance that for the next, you know, 50, 55 games, that you are asking Mitch Marner to do what he's been doing right in the last month and a half. I mean, and, you may miss a game or two, Tavares, but generally, yeah. And Tavares. Like, do they constantly have to be, like, at the top of their games, pushing as hard as they're pushing right now all season long, and then to do it for four rounds to try to win a Stanley Cup? That's that's the I only... don't know of a team who gets lets their top guys not have to play well, you know? Right. Like that's just the formula they have here unless unless they start to get like Pierre Engvall is he ever going to be a different guy? He's not. 
You know, Alex Kerfoot, I don't know what's up with his season. So that's what I was just going to bring up. When you have this model that the Leafs have with the big four that they're paying all the money to, then you have to find value throughout the rest of your lineup, which I think Dubas has done a pretty good, good job doing. Yeah. You know, you look at Giordano, what he's given them, Bunting, what he's given them, okay. Camp, what he's given them. But then you look at the combined salaries of the two guys in the bottom six that make the most, and they're arguably giving you the least. When you look at Angval, what's he make, 2.25? Yeah. And so it's a, almost a combined six million bucks this year between those two guys. And how many goals do they have? Four? Combined? Yeah. Like, does how many? Oh, so Kerfoot had his second last night, the one that he pool cued. Does that count? I actually think no. he tried to pass that. I thought he was I, chipping Does that it. count? No. <laughs> we'll give last, it night, last night on Least Talk, JD and I both agreed it doesn't count. So <laughs> we both agreed that we've got to scrub that one for the record. And then I just, it's it's got to be frustrating for the front office and the coaching staff that they're getting value from all these different parts of the lineup. And then the two guys that you're paying the most in your bottom six are giving you almost nothing. Giving back that value. It's the only thing. That that still has to be a concern for uh, Brendan and Kyle Dubas is that is this the way we want is this the look that we want for the rest of the season to just go so heavily and again I I just I, I worry about Mitch Marner being the guy that has to kill every penalty mm-hmm. and and what will be left in March and April for these guys to kick it in now and say, oh, by the way, do it every other night for two months and try to win us a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, as of last night, the highest time on ice for a Leafs forward is Marner at 23 even. The second highest ice time was 16.59 by John Tavares, six minutes behind uh, Mitch Marner. Marner, granted, you know, he's in the top 10 in time on ice among forwards. There are guys who do this this much. I think a fair question is about the PK. And if you think elite players should do it, because Austin Matthews doesn't do it, you know, and he... And how many minutes for Austin, by the way? Last night last he was night? 16 and change, but he's averaged over 20 on the year, yeah. which is, you know, Why well, He doesn't kill, right? Than, he just doesn't kill, so he's sitting there all night. But should he kill? So this is a question about McDavid, who leads the league in time on ice per game. He's so good at it, and he creates chances, but do you want... It's like when Tortorella put the Sedins on the PK. Yeah. Do you want these guys draining their batteries in that situation when you could have other guys do that. But I mean, I have no doubt Matthews would be good at it. Well, you (laughs) keeps watching what Marner's doing. He's the coach. He wants to win games. You're addicted to that. Yeah. What are you going to do? Not play the guy who's going to help you win that shift. It's like you're watching him do it. If you're told for sure, for sure. But he's the coach. He's on the bench. You're trying to kill a penalty. And he's like, we were talking about one of the best in the world at doing it you're probably going to be pretty tempted to put him out there a lot in that situation. You know what? It, it would be ridiculous to t- say to a coach, you can't use the guy who's good at this thing in this situation. It's a hard conversation right? to have. And I'm, I, yeah. do, you think, do you think Mitch would want to, like, do you think he's not like, basketball, wants- though? These guys cannot be out there yeah. every second. Do you second. think Marner would prefer to not kill penalties? I think there's a part of him that really enjoys it for sure. Yeah. I just would be, inc- I wouldn't take it away from him. I'd just be really selective. Because I just don't see how you could replace those minutes with other minutes. Did we not see, and uh, and then on the other side, did we not see them control all of two minutes on the power play, but they, they sucked up all the two minutes on the power play mm-hmm. last night? Well, did you see the power play too? Their first attempt at a power play? Oh, good. 
vile. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. See, so the next time they went out there, PP One was like, "We're just gonna do the two. So now you've got. I'll call you later. Now you got the guy just playing his regular minutes, sucking up all the power play time, and now he's got to do it if all on the playing, penalty kill. If he was lower than seventh in the NHL among time on ice, among forwards, you would be in here screaming about how he's not playing. There's enough. a fine line. Yeah. There, there's somewhere. There's a balance. I don't right? want him playing less than he's playing. I love his ice time right now. But you're right. Over, It's just the wear and 82. tear off of it. That's all. Would you like to see them play him this much but give him a few nights off throughout the year? Load management, no. Kawhi, LeBron. No, because I'm telling you, uh, when little Johnny spends 400 bucks to go see the game, he wants to see Mitch Marner. I'm the coach. I don't care. Speaking of which, <laughs> I hope you don't have premium tickets to tonight's Lakers-Raptors games because uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are not playing. <laughs> wow, in Toronto? In Toronto, yeah. Do you, oh, do you get man. your money back off the extra push for that? I don't think so. Probably it is, a little it less, is worth, super worth a, crummy. Worth a little less on the resale market as well, I would say. Yeah. Anyways, just thought I'd bring that up as a as an interesting parallel. Yes. Yes, indeed. But wow. I just, I don't know. Uh, I, I can't imagine keeping, like, play less, Mitch. You're Matt, legitimately yeah. a heart candidate right now. Let's play a little less. Yeah. Matthew's had as, as good of a shift as I, we've seen all year last night in How Dallas? about the defense on his goal that Dallas played, though? The, yeah. I, I, I tweeted about it today. Uh, Glenn Dinning. Holding the middle as the weak side winger. Sees Matthews yeah. come right down the gut and goes, oh, I better take care of Giordano up by the wall. And let's Austin Matthews yeah. get down the gut. If you come to the bench and the coach has got to be like, what? Like, tell me what you're thinking. I don't know. Great play by Matthews, though, to dog the puck from Hawk and Pod and get the chance on the previous rush. So. Better look for Matthews last night. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He was. They, they, but again, you're, you're right, Kipper. He played. Actually, I had his ice time wrong. He was 15 and a half minutes left. 15 and a half. That's did, you see, did you see the board uh, they put up during the broadcast last night? And they hated it. Eh? The star players that don't kill penalties. They Sitting there and watching games like that? There. Oh, it's awful. Did you know the board? The board with the defensive touches per game no. uh, for forwards in the NHL. They put it up. It was an interesting one. 8.7 defensive touches per game for uh, Matthews. By far the most in the league. Really? Yeah. Since November 1st. Yeah, he's really since good at stopping, stopping, stopping the cycle. Who's second? Is it Mitch? Mitch Marner. Yeah. 7.5. And you know who's third? Not Nick Robertson. It's Barkov. And fourth is David Camp. At 6.9. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Nick Robertson is last in all their defensive stats. So each and every one of them. This is a quick one before how we many, get... How many minutes for Nick last night? Nick got 10 minutes. Just a quick one before we go to break. Yeah. I, I got to ask. Like, you really got to bench Nick? Five minutes left in the game? Up three? You're up three. Totally agree. You like, do not I, need to listen, take him off that line I, in that scenario. I guess I get like the in and out of the lineup, but I understand him not playing as much. And like I, I'm, I'm on Sheldon's key side with the Nick Robertson thing. I really am. But like that last night seemed a little bit excessive to me. No, Kipper, you're looking at me like I'm an idiot. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, listen, he's he's getting opportunities now because Yarn Crocs out. Uh, there will get healthy. It's going to be a tough call here. Mm-hmm. On on where you go with with Nick in his development, I you know I wrote a thing today on Shane Wright and basically said that sometimes you just need these guys to go have a fresh look, like just go step away from the league for a second, 
Go, you know, come back in a little bit here and try again. And I kind of feel that way about Robertson. He just needs to go get some touches, go play some hockey, be the guy for a bit. I don't know. By the way, I just want before we go, mm. did, did you see the play last night where William Nylander was getting leaned on in the neutral zone of the puck and he put his stick in his other hand and just like big dogged a guy and kept skating through the middle? What a hockey player that guy is. What a year he's having. The contract looks pretty good right now. Dominant. Uh, he's just starting to get it, really get it. Uh, the consistency. Yeah, that's it. He's just, he's not disappearing on long stretches now. We haven't had that conversation at all this year. With the disappearing act. He's just yeah. been good. Yeah. Like he's, it's been. When he's gone, he's gone, right? <laughs> he's gone all the time. Just a quiet, he's coming in behind Marner. He's coming in behind Tavares. Matthews is Matthews. And he's just in his sweet spot right now. Yeah. That's where he wants to be. He wouldn't want to be the, the no. main guy. No, 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 no. It's too just, much. They're, all, all, all great teams that win Stanley Cups have that, that guy. Yes. Phil right, Kessel and the Penguins. A, we'll take, uh, yeah, maybe. No, no, not a third line checker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Are, I'll get him. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Christian Shilton, uh, ESPN, is going to come up and answer a few questions, and we'll ask her about uh, a conversation we had the other day on Dubis's contract extension. I think it's a good time now after that win last night. Maybe to revisit. Show me the money. We'll ask Kristen after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born. Back after these words. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Also, Bob Stauffer will join us. Stauffer. Stauffer. You did. You got it. That's my, my Eastern accent. He's out West. Staffer. We don't. <laughs> we got to go to out West more. We do. I think the show was, they were planning to fly us out there to cover. Stop it. No, I totally made that up. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> I think I'm jumping on a plate for this show. Are you nuts? Oh, I'm not going oh, anywhere. I see. I see All right, let's welcome her in. She's been on the show before. She's fantastic. Let's bring in Kristen Shilton from ESPN. Kristen, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. So uh, what do you think of the Leafs? <laughs> Just in general? Or? Just in general because, uh, you know, we're not used to the love fest here on the Leafs. Uh, I'm not that comfortable with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, it kind of uh, feels a little off almost for talking about uh, a Leaf team that just had one of their most dominant wins, you could say, over a really good Dallas Stars team that's been really strong throughout this year, has one of the best players in the league, a Hart Trophy frontrunner, and Jason Robertson. And what you saw last night was just a, a stellar performance from Matt Murray, a great overall team effort, uh, and exactly, I think, a depiction of what the Leafs want to be this season. is just hard to play against. They got their contributions across the board, they played good defense. They obviously got great goaltending uh, and, you know, wasn't perfect, but it doesn't need to be. And that's where, uh, you know, I think the Leafs get, have gotten caught up in themselves in the past is just trying to, you know, really stick to like, oh, we you know we have to do this. We have to play this way. But now they're just kind of letting the game come to them. And it's uh, it, it's really starting to show in the way they're able to string some of these wins together. So, I, I thought the slower start to the season would be a good thing for the Leafs. I thought the adversity might help them 
a little bit just to understand what they would have to do to be successful this year and buy into the defensive side and make that a team effort. And now that, uh, you know, they've got their goalies healthy and obviously defensively, you know, things are going better than you could have expected given who's missing. So, uh, you know, the sooner obviously TJ Brody can get back, uh, you know, up and running uh, the better, but all good things right now from Toronto. So much of the season in the the previous six-year playoff or runs towards the playoffs has been figure out what the team is missing and then go buy it at the deadline. Try to bring in Nick Foligno for edge. Try to bring in a third-string goalie, whatever it may be. Where do you think the Leafs are on that this year? Do you think they're a team that's going to be bringing in multiple different bodies that they don't have in the roster right now? And, you know, is there anywhere in particular you think that they may be looking to add? Well, I'm I'm intrigued by what you kind of just said. Is is that do they look back at some of the moves that they've made in recent years and thought, yeah, it was worth it? Like, was it worth? You know, obviously Nick Foligno being injured the way that he was that wasn't you know that wasn't in his control. But at the same time, you give up assets for that and you make these decisions and you think that they're going to have a big impact. And when was the last time that the Leafs really went out and they got somebody? just as, as a rental, you know, at the end of the year. And that player really had, you know, a huge impact and made a real difference for them that was worth sort of what they gave up. And, and you know, maybe that's something that they do take into consideration and just question, look, you don't know what, what at this point is going to happen with Jake Muzzin. He's going to be reevaluated uh, down the road in February. Obviously his health, his family is what matters the most and will dictate that decision. But do you look for another body for defense, you know, in the playoffs? Is that something that you think you can find at a reasonable price? How, and I guess it really just depends on what is the health of the rest of the roster. And that's physically and mentally, you know, where's everybody kind of at when you get to um, that trade deadline piece, because there is a mentality of, you know, we've got to go all in. And the only way to go all in is, going out and, and getting Jacob Chikrin or, you know, going after, you know, John Klinberg or whoever it's going to be. And it just, I just don't know how often that works out to the point where it's worth what you have to give up in order to make those kinds of deals happen. So uh, where the Leafs are at right now, you would think, Hey, you know, things are going along pretty well. Uh, everyone's really come together. They're sort of pulling on the same rope, so to speak. And you don't feel like there needs to be, a lot of change and I think if you're you know the front office of this team of course you know you have to win you know you're kind of on a ticking clock but at the same time sometimes it's nice to just dance with the partner you brought and see where it gets you as opposed to uh you know putting those assets on the line and trying to be aggressive and finding out that you know what injuries happen things happen and you know you want to guard against that. You want to have depth, but the Leafs seem to have some pretty good depth from what we're seeing. So maybe they don't need uh, a lot of other bodies coming in. We're talking to ESPN's Christian Shilton as we go in the next couple of weeks towards a Christmas freeze. Are there enough sellers right now to start making some noise, or do we have to wait uh, till we uh, turn the calendar? You know that cap situation for so many teams just makes it so unlikely that you're going to see, you know, a lot of buyers on the other side. I'm sure there are sellers. I'm sure that there's teams that are like, hey, you know, we're open. Like, let's do a deal. But the the top teams, the ones that will be more inclined around the trade deadline uh, to make, you know, some moves, they just don't have the cap space necessarily in order to, you know, make that, pull that trigger too soon. You, you've got to be 
you know, you've got to be strategic in when you want these things to play out and how they're going to play out um, just because of, you know, so many different factors that maybe, you know, in the pre-pandemic era, you wouldn't have thought you'd be dealing with in this particular season. So I, I don't know that we'll see a lot of action unless there's, you know, a specific injury that a team's trying to cover for or they really feel like if we don't do this deal now, it's not going to be available to us uh, down the road. But I don't know how many of those even really exist because, again, the teams that would want to make a, a bigger move, they just might have to wait until they get closer uh, into February, into the spring, and, and kind of see where they're at. Uh, and what they might need to make a real push. And that's, you know, you look at a team like Colorado, for example, that suddenly has got, you know, an injured list a mile long. Um, You know, those are the types of teams that maybe they would be more inclined to perhaps do something sooner than later. Maybe they'd want to be a buyer. Maybe they'd be talking to some of those seller teams. But uh, I I wouldn't be holding my breath for a Christmas miracle at this point that we're going to start seeing uh, a lot of traction before uh, that freeze goes into place. Kristen, the concern then for these teams is that the salary cap uh, makes deals impossible. Uh, do you get a sense, you know, we'd heard that maybe the, the cap was going to go up. Do you think that by the end of, of or the start of next season, we're going to see a significant spike? I think that Gary Bettman would certainly enjoy seeing, yes. you know, having that happen. And obviously it's good for business. The more teams can spend, then the more exciting it is, the more action there's going to be. Uh, the more players are getting involved, the higher salaries, et cetera. I mean, it's good for business, definitely. But um, whether it's going to be that $4 million bump uh, that we've heard about, I, I think that might be stretching it a little. But, you know, at some point here, there is going to be um, a, a reverse course. It's probably going more slowly than most GMs and, uh, you know, league personnel would like after the pandemic and everyone, you know, kind of, having to pick up some of these teams that were maybe harder hit by it than others. And you've got uh, obviously escrow with the players and, you know, there's all sorts of factors that go into it, but I do think there'll be an increase of some kind because the league wants to get sort of back on, not on its feet, but on back on track to where it thought it would be, um, you know, trending towards at this point uh, a few years ago. So that's going to be a, a real good thing for teams like Toronto, for teams, you know, that are, are up against the cap and who normally would, you know, if they did have a little more breathing room, would probably be uh, more uh, interactive with other teams in, in terms of making deals and, uh, you know, being a little bit more aggressive uh, on the trade and acquisition front. But uh, the salary cap is king right now, that flat cap really hurt uh, some teams and, and there's recovery time from that. And that's, I know, difficult for fans. No one wants to be patient. Everybody wants to win. But, uh, the, you know, the dollar is undefeated when it comes to, uh, you know, and, and it's even like you look at Eric Carlson's name being out there, right? And and everyone's talking about, oh, is he going to go to Edmonton? Is he going to go here? That's a big salary to pick up. Like, that's a lot of money to put on your books. And, and it's it's just, there's exciting options. But until that cap goes up, and everybody knows until the cap goes up, uh, some of these better teams where, you know, a guy like Carlson could really, not that he's not shining in San Jose, but where he could shine and really make a difference in the playoffs, they just may not be able to afford him without some significant um, salary being withheld. So that's where you you really, if you're the league and if you're the teams, you you want that salary cap increase. I don't know that it will be as massive as everyone would, would hope, but uh, I, I do suspect that they'll figure out a way to uh, put a little more money in uh, everybody's pocket for uh, seasons to come. Kristen, it's just not 
players looking for contract extensions. There's executives as well, including one here named Kyle Dubas, and we haven't heard much on this. Do you expect going through the holidays into the new year that uh, this talk will pick up, or do you expect it to kind of be uh, quiet until the end of the season? What are your thoughts on Kyle Dubas needing a contract? You know, you can sometimes think of contracts as being a distraction. I think sometimes the discussions can actually be more distracting, and that's why there's a lot of players uh, that choose not to have them, and we hear that publicly. You know, they'll come out and say, you know what, I kind of told my agent I just want to play, and I don't really want to think about the contract uh, until later. And, you know, we haven't heard much on that front with, with Kyle Dubas, and that could be by design. It could just be that mentality of, hey, you know, Bud and Shanahan kind of said, hey, show me, you know, show me what you're going to do and how are we going to get where we want to go. And even though it seems like things are tracking well and, and you know, Matt Murray puts on a performance like last night and, uh, you know, Dubas looks like a genius for bringing him in and for, you know, ignoring the health concerns and and whatever else people had said about that, that decision. Um, and it might just be for him a chance to say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to say, we said we we're going to table this until the season's over. We'll discuss it then. And even if things are going really well now, they could be going even better in April. They could be going even better in May. And what does that do for a new contract? So it's almost like if I'm Kyle Dubas, if I was sitting in his chair, I would bet on myself and say, I believe in the team that I put together. I believe that if we play the way that I know Sheldon Keith can coach this team to play, that's going to be good for me too, because we're going to have success and we're going to obviously, um, you know, he's going to have that opportunity to go, you know, into those conversations at the end of the year and say, hey, look at what I did. And then what does that do for him in terms of length of extension or in terms of dollars? So I, I wouldn't think we'd hear a ton about it unless, you know, something uh, maybe more unexpected than not happens. But if I'm if I'm Dubis and I'm putting I'm sitting in his chair, I'm just thinking I'm going to show you what you know, what I put together here and why. And if it works out, then great for me. And if it doesn't, at least I know that I, I sort of went down with my, my ship, so to speak. Like I put this team together. I made these decisions. Didn't work. It doesn't always. And we move on. But uh, right now, things are going well. Why put any pressure on anybody? Why make a distraction? Just let things play out and we'll see where we're at. Uh, if, if you're the front office in, you know, a few months from now. Kristen, they don't uh, put it on the schedule, but I think we're in coach firing season, uh, are we not? This is usually about the time of year. You look at the the NHL standings, you're like, okay, eh, Rangers, the Capitals, the Canucks, the Blues, there's some teams underachieving here. Uh, have you heard any rumblings? You got any thoughts on some coaches who may be uh, feeling the pressure right now? Yeah, you hear Gerard Gallant's name being thrown out there a lot of, oh, is he going to be... Um, you know, someone that the Rangers decide to move on from just because of the season the Rangers have had. But I always think you, you don't want to be too quick to jump to the dump. You know, you don't want to pull, mm-hmm. you know, pull that lever too soon because it's still, as, as much as it doesn't feel early, it's still early. And, you know, you look at if last season at this time where we were just using the Rangers as another example, were we talking about the Rangers as a potential Eastern Conference final team were we talking even about the Colorado Avalanche as potential Stanley Cup winners like there's still that feeling out process there's still that you know kind of just figuring it out what works what doesn't guys who maybe started hot and have cooled off guys who haven't found a rhythm yet and and I think New York is a great example of 
a team that, you know, a lot of the players that got them to the point that they were at last spring just haven't had the same starts. That doesn't mean that things can't pick up. It doesn't also mean it's a reflection of the coaching either. So, and it's also that a lot of these teams, I mean, if you're paying a coach, do you want to go out and potentially bring in someone else that you're going to have to pay? And then what does that do? Are they really going to make that big of a difference? And who's available? I mean, unless, you know, Barry Trotz is, you know, his phone's open for business. I mean, who are some of these top teams that want to contend? Who are you going towards? Are you bringing in, you know, a, a stopgap? Are you giving someone the interim tag and hoping, you know, that they'll work their way into a full-time position? Um, there's just, it's, I think what's tough at this point in the season, being that it is only early December, you just don't want to make that decision too soon. And this is a it's an 82 game season. It's, it's, there's a lot of runway left here, um, you know, and there's still, I think, time for some of these underachievers to redeem themselves a little bit. And this is where, you know, we talk about, oh, the freeze at Christmas. Maybe that's a point in a couple of weeks where, that's where some of those conversations start happening where you say, okay, when the page turns here into 2023, are we confident in our coach? Are we confident that he's still the guy? And think about, I think when I was last on with you guys, we were talking about whether Sheldon Keith was still going to have a job. You know, we were talking about, "Mm, you know, things aren't going so well. Has Keith lost the room? Is You know, and what if the Leafs had made that decision and said, oh, well, you know, things aren't going as well as we hoped. We better make a big change. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you don't want to do it too soon. And I think for some of the names that you hear out there, it's a, you know, you don't even want to say them out loud because it just doesn't sound like anyone's too sure that anything is actually going to happen. It's more just, we're not really happy with where we are as a team. The coach is a part of that, but he's not the only factor. And if you don't believe that, a new coach coming in or a new voice is going to make the difference is going to be the Rick Bowness of the Winnipeg Jets. Then you kind of got to stick with what you've got and, and just put your faith in the players to be ready, uh, you know, to take the coaching that they get and make the most of it. The biggest issue I, I see in New York is that uh, they've got an owner with a very short fuse in, in James yeah. Dolan and his biggest issue, Kristen as he's he's looking at that metro division and he's seeing the Islanders ahead of his Rangers and New Jersey and that's got to piss him right off and I'm just wondering now um, you know you're with ESPN are 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 the hockey markets south of the border giving the New Jersey Devils uh, their their just due here on what they've been able to do uh, 25 26 games into the season. I, you know, the Devils have drawn just about every superlative that you can imagine from what I've read and what I've heard and what I see. Uh, no one is sleeping on New Jersey. And my goodness, you look at Jack Hughes last night and what he's doing. You look at the way that the Devils are winning games. It's just, it's just so, it's shocking that they've made what one playoff appearance in, in these last few years because you look at, where they're at right now and you just it's it's stunning the turnaround and the ability and the, and when they're healthy and when they get the goaltending and yes absolutely what New Jersey I mean every team in the league has got to be looking at them and just wondering what's what's the magic formula here what allowed for them uh to put this this all together from fire Lindy to uh you know no one and again that's another example of don't make the coaching change too quickly um and now you see uh what the devils are doing and it's just it uh i think when you talk about 
giving a team their flowers, so to speak. I think everyone is on, you're almost trying not to be too effusive if you're <laughs> down south about, uh, about how good they've been because these things, you know, teams get on a hot streak and not that it looks like the Devils are uh, close to finishing this one off, but, uh, you know, teams get hot and they can cool off and there's, you know, discussion about what happened and why. And for now, it's just enjoy it. Like, enjoy this great hockey that they've been able to put on and seeing, you know, Nico Hishier becoming the player that you really thought he could be. Uh, and as I mentioned with Hughes and, and Jess Rabrod and, and just the whole nucleus of New Jersey is so fun. And it is, it is fun. Even when, you know, even when they're making mistakes, even when it's not perfect, it's really fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the, the league needs that as much as anything. So I would say uh, the U.S. populace, everyone is, is quite intrigued by uh, where these Devils are going. And, you know, they're a team that you think back to the glory days with, with Brodeur and, and how, uh, how great they were. Uh, it's, it's nice to see sort of a, uh, a renaissance of sorts happening in New Jersey and just uh, bringing back some of those old school vibes. Kristen, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Thank Kristen you. Shilton, ESPN. That was a lot of stuff. I, I got to think that uh, New Jersey for me is the most complete team I've seen so far this season. They look really good. They're fast all throughout their lineup. Their D is really interesting because you wouldn't call them bruisers necessarily, but like Dougie Hamilton does his thing and Severson moves the puck and that John Marino's been Size, a revelation. depth, mobility. Yeah, yeah they got, they're, it, they're a good team. Easiest schedule so far, right? That is an interesting point. According to Power Rankings Guru, strength of schedule, um, the Devils have had the easiest schedule this season and have the third hardest the rest of the way. By the way, the hardest schedule the rest of the way this season, New York Rangers. So not going to get easier for a Rangers team that's struggled a little bit. Some interesting ones, by the way, by strength of schedule. The uh, Calgary Flames have had the hardest schedule in the league to date and have the easiest the rest of the way. So the Flames have had a slow start, and part of that could be schedule. They've really, uh, I don't know if it's under-delivered or what, but the, I think its it was the hype that they, uh, the, the down, the up, the trades, the signing. Oh, yeah, people like myself, you know, like, ah, it's a better team now. They got better. They didn't get better. Can you get better? No. They're, they lost the best line in hockey, which was Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm last year. That line at even strength was plus 51 last year. This year, their top line's plus one. And it's not the goalie That's... that you expected <laughs> to be. Markstrom, right, is struggle fest. But that has actually been good. Yeah. He's patching the holes there. They're barely above 500. I think, like I said, easiest schedule the rest of the way. They're still going to make playoffs. I still like their team, but they're not a better team than last year, I don't think. Who would you take, Calgary or Edmonton, in a series? Oh, I love that question. Edmonton. They're within a point of each other. You got to think about goaltending in D, though, like in a playoff it, series. It would. Uh, I got to go Calgary. I think I do, too. But then you're betting against McDavid and Dreisaitl, who've it, won. I know. It's literally half series. Literally last year. And they pumped Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you just mentioned the the goals, uh, the, the uh, sorry, Markstrom. And this is a good tweet from Kevin Vapetti the other day. Did you see this? No. The highest, the highest goalie cap hits in the NHL, mm-hmm. that seven of the top ten of them are under 900 save percentage. So Markstrom's included in that. So you yeah. Look at Bobro- Bobrovsky, obviously. Gibson, Bennington, Markstrom, Quick, Shesterkin, 
Well, he's not under it. Merzlikens. It's like it's crazy how these big money contracts for these for these goalies. It's just it's it's a scary thing. Yes, he. It is. It's a huge risk, and but it is one of the big myths in the NHL right now that you know any goalie will do. We we can't know who's going to be any good. You know, you just can't give any guy ten year or ten million dollars over eight years as a yeah, goalie. Th- th- those days are over. I think you cannot give that to a goalie. You just don't know how they're going to hold up. You start getting groin injuries, and you may not get them again. Even Ottinger last night, you're, you, the worst feeling is being on a bench. Some um, a lot of times where you know you're outplaying a team, and mm-hmm. you just cannot beat that goalie. And they come down once or twice in your end, and you're down one nothing yeah. or two nothing. You're like, this is hopeless. This is futile. You know, just banging. And that's your head what last night wall. you had that feeling. I'm sure Dallas had that feeling at some point where, hey, we could be in a World Cup right now with those soccer nets, and we <laughs> still ain't scoring. Yeah, nice to see the Leafs on that side of it. We've been waiting for it in a playoff series one time, one time. Right. By the way, oh, sorry. No, I was going to, you want to go to break? We're going to go to, uh, go, we go got uh, Stoffer coming up, host of Oilers Now, and we're going to ask him the same question. Who would he take, Calgary yeah. or Edmonton in a best of series right now? I wonder what he'll say. I wonder what he'll say. <laughs> Let's find out after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kimbrough's Justin Bourne. We're taking it out west. Let's welcome in Bob Stoffer. Yes. Voice of Oilers now and does a terrific job on uh, our regional broadcasts for Sportsnet. Stoff, how are you? Some people might debate that, but uh, yeah, yeah, well, thank you for having me on. I am talking to your friends and family right now. <laughs> uh, they're my harshest critics. Hey, um, who... Who saw Seattle throwing a wrench into a comfortable playoff spot for the likes of the Oilers and, and Calgary? Uh, not me. Uh, I'll tell you that. Um, didn't Steve Breer go from Toronto to Seattle as goalie coach? <laughs> it's, uh, anyhow, uh, no, I think, uh, you know, Seattle added some depth. The Bjorkstrand trade, they were in on Pugliarby as well at one point. Um you know, they're deeper up front. I'd say it's still early. I mean, Edmonton's issues, Edmonton's just got to look internally. And all they need to do in terms of, they've got some injuries. Everybody has injuries. They just need to look at the Maple Leafs. I mean, Toronto's down three of their top, I think, three of their top four defensemen. And what are they, 11-0-3 or something like that over their last 14 games? And um, now I realize everybody in Toronto's, hey, it's, it's about the playoffs this year and the Maple Leafs are going to get there. We all know that. But uh, the orders, the orders challenges are internal, and they need to rectify on at least three separate fronts to to gain some traction. But they haven't come close, uh, Nick and Justin, to playing on the level that they did last year in Jay Whitecroft for the final thirty eight games. It's crazy too because there's so much good there on that roster. Looking at it right now, and you know, excuse me for oversimplifying, but watching it just feels like they miss Evander Kane a whole lot. Am I oversimplifying that point? No, you're 100% on. I mean, he, let's not forget, he basically came in, you know, three weeks before uh, Jay Woodcroft came up from Bakersfield, and he gave Edmonton something they desperately needed, and I am old school in this regard. Uh, I, I, I still think there's a degree of physicality. 
Uh, I might have been the guy in 2010 amongst the, you know, the broadcasters in the league that would be most open to analytics, but you still need a degree of, I mean, the Oilers have no bite whatsoever yeah. right now. And the fact is Kane brought it and he brought it in their top six and scored 35 goals in 58 games. Uh, last year, if you include the playoffs, I mean, he led playoff goal scores. He had 13 goals last year in the playoffs. So he's a massive loss. But again, good organizations overcome it. And Toronto, I look no further than the Maple Leafs, and I know there are a lot of questions about Toronto uh, at the start of the season. But I give them full marks. I mean, they don't have Morgan Riley. They, they don't have Muzzin. Uh, Brody's still out. Right, I mean, they're sitting there playing with Connor Tibbins, who was minus ten in the minors, uh, playing playing in Tucson. So they are finding a way, and that is a credit to that organization. And the Oilers, to be frank with you, they haven't got close to. They haven't played worth uh, you know what all season long. Like they've they've had a decent five game stretch, maybe a couple times, but uh, they've been consistently inconsistent. It's threefold: starts and goal. You guys know Jack Campbell. He's at 872. Do the numbers. End of discussion. He hasn't got close to the level that the Oilers stepped up and paid him to be at. Now, fortunately for Edmonton, Stuart Skinner uh, has played pretty well. Uh, on defense, Duncan Keith's been a significant uh, absence. Uh, maybe one that, you know, I, I, again, in Edmonton, the analytics people hated the trade. The old school hockey guys loved the trade. And then they've got no offensive juice out of Pulley Arby, Yamamoto, and Dylan Holloway, who was very impressive in preseason. Those guys have combined to score two goals all season. So they haven't had great secondary scoring, which has been further exasperated by the injury to Evander Kane. We're talking to Bob Soffer as he cruises down the highway on his Harley. Where are uh, you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm about 10. I just got off the air. I'm 10 blocks away from Roger's place. <laughs> And I'm in my uh, F-150, brought to you by our sponsor, Brent Ridge Ford here. At there you go. Hey, can they get us an F-150 up here? Well, <laughs> can uh, you get one with a muffler? Uh, why? Does it sound like there's... Are you driving a vehicle without a muffler? That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's sort of modus operandi out in Alberta, isn't it? So, exactly. Okay, yeah. hey, listen, we got to backpedal a little bit because, we, you know, our neck of the woods, not many Oiler fans, but no. Jack Campbell fans... What is going on? He's not that bad. Yeah. And you know what? He's not. And the Oilers need to rally around him. It's that simple. They made the investment five times five. Uh, Jack's way too hard on himself. I don't know if it's a defense mechanism with the media, um, but he's, you know, it's funny because Brent Myers is a, a guy I know well and, Brent's had some tough miles, as you know, and uh, worked with the L.A. Kings, and Jack didn't really realize his potential through Dallas and L.A., and then the Leafs unlocked it, and the Oilers have got to unlock it, and it's it's on the entire organization to do so. So Dustin Schwartz is a goalie coach. Uh, he's been here since 2014. He's worked with lots of different goalies. Jack's a unique guy. Uh, he's supposed to be part of the solution here, and the Oilers have no choice but to dig in support them and get through it and that's as simple as that so when you look at this oilers team 
how do you feel about their chances about you know being better than last year? I thought I picked the Oilers this season as the best Canadian team. Um, I you know hasn't played out this this so far this year. But do you see a path forward here? I know you mentioned that there's a number of shortcomings or disappointing spot, spots so far. Are they fixable? Is this a team that can make a single season turnaround? Well, they can because, and this is if you look at schedule metrics, they they played the harder part of their schedule out of the gate. I mean, there were seven teams in the league. The others have only played three times. So, you know, they're going to get, I think, 17 of their final 56 games against the bottom seven teams in the league. And a couple of those teams are in their division, San Jose and Anaheim, and they haven't played them yet. And they got eight games left against them. So do I expect Edmonton to get better as the season goes on? Yes. Uh, do I expect Ken Holland to get active? Yes. The others have to upgrade their bottom six. I mentioned they got they got no balls. Like their their team is. Uh, I'm old school. You need a little. I mean, Nick, you willed your way to the NHL. Kudos to you. You were 60 goal scorer in the OHL. You paid the price. You need some of that. You know, it's ironic that we, the Oilers kept Yasapoliarvi. Uh, I can't believe how significant he's got. He's got no confidence. Cassian's in town tonight. Lots of the fans, you know, had enough of Zach. They could use somebody, especially with Kane out uh, in their bottom six. So I expect them to add at least two bottom six forwards. And they're, they're going to live with Broberg in the short term in their third pairing. That's kind of the guy that's replaced Keith. But as a result, uh, you know, uh, they've had to play Kulak higher up the lineup. He hasn't been quite as effective as he was last year. I, I, I do think they can get out of this. Eventually, they'll get some of the support scoring, some of their forwards back. They miss McLeod. Ryan McLeod was... You know, a decent third-line center playing 15 minutes a game for them. They just got Yamamoto back, and they'll get Fogel back, who hasn't been great, but it has been a double-digit goal scorer, which isn't easy to do when you're not getting power play time. And uh, I do think they'll make the playoffs. I still think they'll win 47 to 50 games, guys. I think they play in an easier conference, and I think they play in an easier division. And uh, they'll start to play some of those teams, but they got to play better than they're playing right now. We talk a lot about the, the workload of Mitch Marner and... Uh his ability to kill penalties. It's starting a little bit with Connor McDavid out there. Uh, what are the thoughts of, of squeezing more out of a, out of a demand already that's intense on 97? Yeah, fair question. Um, I'm all for having McDavid out because I think it changes the complexion of what the opposition does sometimes. Who better to understand what an opposition's power play is going to do than a guy that thinks. I mean, Connor McDavid, uh, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, look, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. He is the most advanced player that's ever played the game. There's never been anybody that fast, that good. It's that simple. I know Matthews won, Matthews won the MVP last year. He had an awesome year, 60 goals. Marner and Matthews have 33 points each in 39 career playoff games. Connor had 33 in 16 playoff games last year. Leon had 32 in 16 and had a brutal high ankle sprain that would have kept him out of regular season games. By the way, he's still not at 100%, and that's part of the reason why, as the season's gone on, McDavid's moved into more of a penalty-killing role, and they've decreased the minutes for Leon because he is not all the way back. Nick, you can speak to this, maybe Justin, from your minor pro career. High ankle sprains are tricky. Sometimes, uh, I mean, I'm not, you know, Rob Brown told me he had one for two and a half years he couldn't get over. Yeah. It affected me. He didn't feel right. Yeah. Leon, Leon Dreisaitl does not have near the same explosiveness that he had at this time last year. And the Oilers' penalty killing was so bad. I mean, it's at 70% right now. They have to change the – they have to get some new guys to, to step in and do it. And I think 
Like, they could use a guy like Sam Lafferty out of Chicago. But it, it, you, you got to accept your role. And they have some forwards that they see a team with McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and Hyman and Kane. Like, i got to play that way, too. And they just need guys to accept roles further down the lineup. And if they can't get guys to come around that regard, they're going to have to go acquire them. And I think it's yeah. inevitable that that's coming for Edmonton. You know, it's interesting to say that, like, David Kampf has been a revelation here in that he fully knows what he is, and he plays that role. He kills penalties, he takes faceoffs, he gets the hell off the ice. It's, it's lovely to watch uh, when you can find those guys. In the division is the Calgary Flames in the province as well, 12-10 and 10 this season. Another team that some people thought were better going into the season, not everyone, but uh, depending where you, where you stand on that. What do you see out of the Flames this year? What are your thoughts for their uh, potential, their perspectives? Well, I definitely thought they won the trade uh, just because of the depth of what they got back, right? I mean, Mackenzie Weger until the back half of last year, I kept hearing how he was one, of, you know, a, an underrated top two NHL defenseman, and then they they get Hubert. I mean, how do they not win? They even got a first round pick. So I thought Calgary was better, and I still think Calgary is yeah. going to be better come playoff time. Like you get Naz, like Nazem Kadri is going to show up, and I know that's a, you know. I'm the guy in Edmonton that picked the Leafs to beat Boston. I just didn't expect Kadri to get kicked out of two series, you know, like he, because he is the type of player that plays, you know, you need him to come playoff time because he's, he's got fight. He doesn't take any crap on the ice and he, he fights for his space out there. I think the flames, I think Edmonton and the flames are going to be fine, but I, neither teams clearly had the start. And I, and I think that Seattle, Seattle will get caught in the end. I'll give Kelly McCrimmon and Vegas credit. They're in on everything. Uh, and Todd McClellan's found a way to maybe accelerate uh, L.A. a little bit further along than people thought right now. L.A. is a team I'm nervous about L.A. Uh, you know, they're in on every player, too, right? You know, Leafs got a guy that's uh, he's you know, and, you know, hopefully for Toronto fans, Matthews extends. There's a lot of good things going on in Toronto. The Oilers have dry settle. You know, they have McDavid. They both those organizations got to get some playoff traction. Edmonton got a little uh, last year, obviously beating the Kings. They didn't have Doughty. You know, it looks like Vegas is a for sure. At the end of the day, I still expect Edmonton and Calgary in the playoffs. Justin, I was on with Tim and uh, friends uh, yesterday. We talked about Brock Besser, and there seems to be some interest out of Calgary. Uh, but there's there's the money aspect. If you can work around the money, do you see a fit? in Calgary for Brock Besser or would Edmonton again be in a position to massage some money would they be interested in Brock Besser I think uh, Nick uh, Calgary it totally makes sense they need to add a scoring winger Uh, I think Edmonton Jonathan Taze would make more sense for Edmonton just in terms I think the Oilers lost a little with Mike Smith not being here and and Duncan Keith they did it differently Uh, you know Smith was more vocal Keith was sort of understated at times, sneaky, dirty, veteran, poise-type guy, uh, and, and had gamesmanship, and I like that about him. Um, and I think that Tays, you know, as you guys know, he's only $3 million in real dollars the rest of the year. Clearly, I just had Bill Armstrong on my show today. He says he's totally open to being a, a partner they can retain on two more players. Um, I think Tays, a player of Tays' ilk, or and then a Lafferty further down the lineup would be a better fit for Edmonton than Brock Besser. And last one for me before I let you go. You can't possibly have someone on from Edmonton without checking in on our boy Zach Hyman. I see he's got like seven points in the last four games. Has he been uh, everything as, as advertised? More. Yeah. Unbelie- Good, isn't he? Unbelie- what a player. 
He, and he writes books, to... children's books. <laughs> you, you guys know you'll never meet a better guy. Oh, and man. Like he was on a lineup against Washington. The Oilers had no juice at all. Now Edmonton's tired. We, you know, we went to New York and then came back for a game and then off to, you know, uh, Chicago and, and Minnesota. Minnesota's got a big, heavy, tough team. They knock the crap out of the Oilers every time they play them. But Hyman is relentless. You know that drive is going to be there on a nightly basis. And his absence was combined with Kane's. I mean, that was quite – and that's the difference between where Edmonton's at. You know, when they lost to Winnipeg, they didn't have Hyman and Kane, and now they have Hyman and Kane. Like, when they have those guys, they're they're, they're okay. They just need to keep developing some of their younger, uh, you know, players like a McLeod, like a Holloway in the future to support, you know, underneath those guys. And there just hasn't been enough traction with the likes of Paul Yarby, Yamamoto, and, and Holloway. But Hyman's been a wonderful addition, terrific guy, uh, money well spent, and you'll never meet a better person. Hey, Stuff, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for doing this for us. Hey, you bet. Take care, guys. Thanks, Stuff. Get a new truck. Bob <laughs> yeah, <Stauffer. buddy. laughs> In his uh, F-150, is that what it was? Yeah, I got to tell you, he, do- he got an F-150 there. I remember talking to people working in Vancouver. It's like, yeah, Delari family of Acura dealer. Her driving Acura's into work. Listen, I'm driving if, my own nine Jetta. We're, we're in Toronto. We got well, that's not true. I got a car too. But, <laughs> yeah, but you're Nick Kiprios in Toronto. But you <laughs> yeah. out west, I know. You'd have free housing. You'd have a free car. You'd be the king out west. Here you're a little buried under fuelless. Um, maybe I can do a Kelowna rocket show. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, what can we get you? I I got. A You've night. got two shows now. Who can say they've got two shows? I have a. Great, very three shows. Very golf guys too. Very dependable. Oh my God! Toyota Corolla. You, Toyota Corolla. Very dependable. Great car. They want to sponsor me. Very happy to. uh, You know, I believe Hyundai was added as a sponsor for uh, NHL at Sportsnet this year. Okay. Well, uh, not our show. Talk with Dave Hyundai and see if we can get it. I I have an Elantra. Great car. Oh yeah, (laughs) Elantra. I'll I'll talk to Timmy Toyota and uh, see if he can help me out. Okay. So more surprised. At Calgary struggles or Edmonton's? Edmonton. Uh, I, I don't that know. Quick. You go get uh, one of the highest scoring wingers, and then Kadri. Jonathan Uberdo. Everybody was supposed had to light it up. Everybody had Calgary yeah. penciled in for. You know, Kadri's supposed West. to replace the Kachuk grit, and he had 86 points last year. He can get the you know, and then Huberdeau's 115 points last year. If he even gets 105, you like it. I would say I'm more surprised by Calgary sucking than Edmonton being. No, they're not. Neither of them suck, you know, in, in, but they're average. Yeah. I, in talking to Stoffe, I reminded yeah, how much they need Hyman and Kane in Edmonton. Like they need that grit. They need those guys that they. They're didn't... just hard to play against. That's the best they, way I can describe them. They're just. And you know what? I've been up against guys like Billy Guerin. You're just like, oh, it's going to be a long night. Are you so angry, Bill? Yeah. It's going to be just, (laughs) it's going to be one of those nights. Can I just get through it and not look bad? One thing I've said over and over that I think is a fatal flaw of the Toronto Maple Leafs is that, and you and I have talked about this, that the the core itself is not like a gritty, hard-nosed group. And so when people are like, bring in grit, you know, okay, to put them on your fourth line or your third pair, you cannot surround grit to the core. Those are the guys who play all your, all your minutes. That's why Jonathan Taves is so successful and Marchand and Bergeron and, you know, Kucherov and those guys, they they have this edge. The guys who play the most have that bit of grit. In Edmonton last year, they have playoff success because Kane is so good, Hyman is so good. Can the Leafs guys be that? Um, I'm just, I found it so telling the other night with the Truba hit 
on Double uh, A, nothing to see you. And Taves jumps in, mm. right? Oh yeah. What do you like? Taves will do it. But what are your thoughts there? Like, let's be honest. That's the last guy out of whoever's on the ice. I would think would need to do that or show that. Yet he did. So that Why? Means, what, he's what, the what, captain. No. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. No. What is it then? Number one, I think it's to maybe even send a message to the Chicago Blackhawks that this is what you've put me to, that mm-hmm. I have to go and do this. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. And number two, he's telling also the hockey world, I got plenty of juice left. So yeah. that's why I think, Edmonton, yeah. Colorado, all these teams that are looking, I'm not done yet. Two yeah. reasons to jump in in there. You're advertising yourself. Yeah, you're not, uh, and, and, you're, and, I, and you're also sticking it to Chicago a little bit. It's kind of a no-brainer to go in there, and yeah, you're right. I, I, good points by you. I, I think there's some advertising yourself is available and, and all that. that. That makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, he's done not that maybe directly, but he's always been that guy that's been willing. Yeah. And then your team has to follow you, right? It's like you don't get to be the guy who shies away if the so, captain who but, scores but does it. To your earlier point. That's not necessarily Tavares, Nylander, Marner, or Matthews. It hasn't been for sure, and it won't be. I, you know, I'm. I you, know are you would, waiting for I, a moment? I that am one waiting of them for a moment. I'm waiting for Matthews. Pulls a Jonathan Taves moment. Yes, I am. I don't think he's going to go through. He's 25. I don't think he's going to be 35 and never have fought in the NHL. Sam. Is that moment coming? His first, is it just a maturity thing or uh, a shorter fuse? Uh, no, it's it's a is, game, is, it's a game against the Sabers. His first career fight will be against Rasmus Dallin. Is, is Matthews got it in him? Yes, because he hate that's he'll get a taste for blood once he beats the wheels off Rasmus Sandin. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, <laughs> that'd be a weird one. Rasmus Dallin, and uh, when he because he hate the only man he truly hates in the NHL is him. Uh, and he will fight him, and he will enjoy it, and then he'll become one of the toughest guys. That's my prediction. <laughs> he's uh, he's either going to beat the hell out of someone or get the hell beat out of I would love to see it. Yeah. Of course, sure. we all would. Who wouldn't? But if we didn't he's see it. He's another guy that you see shirtless in their if, celebration if, picks, if, and you're if, like, what a If we monster. didn't see it earlier this season against Philadelphia, what makes you think it's coming? The pressure that came from not doing it. The, the outside pressure of being like, why aren't you doing it? I think you become hyper aware that the next time that happens, you better do it. Yeah, I don't get that sense. So you guys are very prone to believe the most recent thing that happened is always going to happen. Remember yesterday I said that Austin Matthews scored and I got the, oh, he hasn't yet. Well, here's the thing, though. It was another opportunity last night where, um, you know, he gets bodied by a big man, pushed right onto his goalie, and he just is like looking at it. He's like, doesn't even react. Right? Yeah. A lot of guys in the NHL get up. Yeah, I would have hated that shove. For sure. Immediately get up and just... Like I know it's Marchman. Like, listen, I don't want him to go with Marchman. That's that's right. a different kettle of fish. You don't want to do that. But there's some guys that would at least skate over to him and maybe just we've like give him a little check. As, you know, as players, we've I've always been in a scenario with anybody I've played with, and it didn't matter if they were stars or fourth liners. The whole idea is not to give an inch, and if a guy doesn't want to get involved or just do enough that attracts us all in. And then when we're all in there together, then you can step aside. Then, you know, I can come in there and 
uh, get in a, an FU contest with a guy or poke him or mm-hmm. uh, rub my glove in his face. I can attract the attention off of you, but I'll be there for you, and f- four of us will be there for you. Mm-hmm. Just start it, and we'll clean it up. Yeah. And but that to Sam's point that Matthews doesn't even want to start. Yep. And there was another I forget where who it was that was digging at him at Murray, and he just kind of just skated by him. It's not in his. It's not in it's, his DNA. It's not in his DNA, but that doesn't mean he's never going to do it. It's not in my DNA, but Listen, I did it. You I know, think, like I, I think he will fight. Like I've said yeah. a million times, and the only person he will fight. Will well, be you gotta. <laughs> you gotta sometimes. Uh, you know, oh God! Paint a guy into a corner, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. Once the walls start closing in, and yeah. there's no other options, it's amazing that more people haven't been like gloves off I, in his face, just seeing I how wa- far they can push him. Boys, I want to do the show the next day. Like, I pray to God it happens soon, so we can come in and talk about the fight. Yeah, we don't need a Friday night game. He no, does it, and there's another game. No, after. you guys are Neanderthal. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a I Neanderthal. Once again, I did not start off this conversation about how Matthews it? needs I'm to evolving. get up and, and, <laughs> and slug somebody. Yeah, well, I'm um, waiting for it. It uh, belongs to Justin Bourne and Sammy McKee. Listen, I've just accepted the fact. I have really come to grips with what the Leafs are. And I miss fights and I miss hits and I miss... Like, I, I miss Fighting that stuff. is a tick up, you know. I, I know, but I yeah. miss... I really... Like, how much love, of a tick up? Uh, like a little bit. The last two seasons, it's up from like eighteen, nineteen. It was steadily down. The last couple of years, is a little bit of an upward. I, I love it. I love that part of the game. It's 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 in me. I, I am who I am. I love the fights. I love hitting. I don't but, have to apologize for that. No, I know. But I'm just saying that the Leafs don't do it really ever, and it's something that I've really had to come to grips with over this era. And it's a tough oh, one. So- because they used to do it all the time. Well, but here's the thing. Eras, you came off an era where the team stunk and fought everyone. Well, like, it doesn't I, have to be one or just, the other. Listen, <laughs> you know? I, I don't want to admit how much one of my favorite games of all time was uh, uh, Colt Noor and Frazier McLaren beating the crap of the Habs, and they beat them 5 nothing on a Saturday night, and they were fighting everybody, and Josh Georges was crying. And that was, like, a random game, and there was a lot of fights, and I remember that well. And a lot of Leaf fans do. Like, it's, it's sad it's that I love sad, it that yeah. much. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's sad, but I like it. Anyways, can we change the subject? I it's know, really I know, like I, I don't like all this I talk know, Nick, about sorry. violence. I know you're sensitive. <laughs> I wanted to pick up a little bit on on the conversation we had with Kristen. It was great on the extension of of Dubis mm-hmm. because we've talked about it a little bit in the past, and it will come up at some point. And you almost believe that if the Leafs continue to have success and uh, end up being where we talked about all along before the season started, a team that would be in the hunt for the president's trophy or mm-hmm. even could win it. Um, not sure where Boston and New Jersey are going to be in a month from now. Yeah. But they're, ship's they're, probably they're, sailed. they're, they're, they're in the hunt yeah. here, but if they end up having a strong regular season yet again, do you see a a situation where the talk becomes, I don't want to say a distraction, that's what Kristen talked about, but mm-hmm. do you see it being played out a lot more than just everybody being quiet till it playoffs or the regular season or the or the season's over? No, I you know, I this team has been good in the regular season, then they lost in the playoffs. And the team has decided that that was not good enough 
to earn a long-term extension. They needed to see success in the playoffs. That said, I still think that it's typical in the NHL for people to have a parachute year on their contract of some variety. Is there not where a guy said, they say, all right, he's got one more year, but if we don't want him, we can fight. You know, for me, that's dubious. Now it's like he, he's been good enough. And this team is good enough that you, he should have the confidence that he can build at least a very good competitive team. It is surprising to me that he doesn't have another year on his deal, but does he even sign a one-year deal? I don't know. Maybe they've offered him one-year deals, and he says, Stop "Yeah, it. I, I think, I think if, if they would offer him a, a one-year extension at a at a good number, I, I don't, I don't know whether he would take it or not. Or is the type of guy you probably know him better than, than most? It's very competitive. So, did he say no? I'm I'm all in on a on a major extension, or I'm 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 out of here. Yeah, that would be different because talking to Kristen and she was saying like you know the whole bet on yourself thing. First off. Love Kristen, don't like the saying. I'm very tired of bet on yourself. Like, it's not the best idea for everyone to bet on themselves and sometimes taking another multi-million dollar. Uh, Aaron Judge? Uh, yeah, Aaron Judge is not he made, everyone. He made $160 million <laughs> betting on himself. Yeah. So that All was right. a good bet. So if you're Aaron Judge, bet on yourself. <laughs> Fred Van Vliet? Yes. If you're less than the best home run hitter in the history of the sport, <laughs> maybe taper expectations. Yeah, you're right. All I know, one thing for sure, and this include is, includes uh, Arson Judge. Arson Judge. <laughs> did you see that? I did. Arson Judge. Yes. It's a tough one to be wrong on. Hey, I know. Man. Holy hell. I know. Uh, Felt for the man. You, well, you're in the, you used to be in the oh, yeah. breaking business. You know. So th- there are no right or wrong answers. There's just leverage. Yeah. And it really comes down to always in any situation, who has it? Aaron Judge clearly had it. And going into the season, Kyle didn't have it. The question is, at some point between now and the end of the season, does he get it back? Does he get it back? Does he have it yet? And fourth in the NHL in points percentage. This double edged sword that, as much as you feel like at the beginning of the season that it's it's all on Kyle, the pendulum can swing. Mm-hmm. And now you're in a position if you're MLSC that. Do we want to go the distance here and actually be in a position to lose him if we want him? Or do we take care of this thing now sooner than later? Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's a double-edged sword. That's a decision that they have to make as well. Are they willing to go to the distance? And do they know Kyle well enough where he can turn around and go, you know what, screw you. You didn't believe in me. You hung me out to dry. I'm going to test the market. I'm going to go find my money somewhere else. Yeah. I I kind of think he's done that here. I don't know. I have to I have ad- no insight on that. I have to admit that life without Dubas to me is a scary one. Because listen, everyone wanted him fired for two straight playoff rounds, myself included in some of those times and you're more heated after those. And you're like you're pissed off, they've lost another series and but like I what's the successor? What's the plan? Like he's I guess maybe you could argue a little Stockholm syndrome here too, but at the same time, like I'm afraid of the beyond without him, right? Like they've been an you, excellent. You do have this feeling well, that maybe hey, he knows hey, stuff we don't. They're an the, excellent team the, with him. They the just beyond, haven't had the playoff. But luck. the beyond is that 
the new guys are going to come in and, and somewhat blow up the Shanna plan. For sure. The new person's coming on. It's a full new, fresh set of eyes that's going to look at this completely differently with a completely different plan. Like, that thought to me is somewhat scary. That, like, you've gotten used to this level of excellence in the regular season. I know, Kipper, before you say anything. No, no, I agree. But it's like, sellable. It's, 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 it's interesting. It it's, is. It's holding an audience. Well, they win all the time. They win you know, until a the lot playoffs. of games. A lot. And then they can't get past the first round because of a five-on-three in this third period of a <laughs> game with two bogus calls. And Anyways, not that I think about it that much right no, now. No, 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 no. Interesting, or, or, a, or a pick play on Justin Hall, and then they didn't call a penalty for the rest of the playoffs in Game 7. That was a legit Oh, yeah, penalty. for sure. Yeah, that, know, that, that, that doesn't happen. away from selling that better. That like, happens you know, if Hall just gets 100 around, times a game in the, yeah. for the rest of the playoffs and never call it. Like, take a snap and throw it 60 yards down the field like he did last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he does have his moments. Maybe he had that wrong. So okay, I'm, what else... Uh, <laughs> Handshake, handshake line respect, which is a great name on YouTube, said, Sam McKee, everything is just scary for you. <laughs> you are very right about he that. He is one. an eggshell type of guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shane Wright? Shane Wright scored his first NHL goal against Montreal. Does he look like a, a new man? Yeah. Is this uh, four goals on his uh, American Hockey League uh, stint? Yeah. Comes back, scores his first NHL goal. Is this enough to keep him the rest of the year? No, I did a uh, panel last night with Bukala and Fuda, and they were both saying, you know, when he goes back, they'll trade his rights to this team and the OHL, and he'll do this and whatever. I don't know. Like, if if he looks really good, he looked really good last night. And then if he goes to the World Juniors and he sets people on fire, and then Seattle has an injury or something, like, are we sure this guy's going back to junior? I don't know. I genuinely ask because I don't know these type of things. This is not my strong suit as an analyst like he seems like a guy who could sort it out and play in the league if he's gonna get 10 if you're in the ballpark at 10 minutes when he does play it's fine and it's not six yeah i think he can stay yeah so he played online with uh yanny gourd i forget who the other guy is but like it's a good line they you know they create they forecheck his final numbers were 11, 11 and a half, 12? Yeah, he was, he was over 12 minutes last okay. night. You know, part of that is you know, they're chasing the game and they had them out there for offense, I think. But he, he had three legit scoring chances, scores a goal, set up Gord for a breakaway. It was really, really good. So something to keep an eye on for sure. Against the Cavs too, eh? Gotta love that. Listen, that has to play a factor in this. That, like, he's playing six minutes a night, and he's barely noticeable, and then he goes against a team that scorned him, and he's dominating. Didn't he have, like, four or five clear chances, too, oh, in yeah. that game? Yeah. Like, it wasn't just the one he scored. He nope. had a bunch of chances. It's like, yeah, he probably pissed off, probably had a little bee under his bonnet. Send him to the juniors. The one thing I will say, he still hit the ice six times. <laughs> you know, like, nice. not, not the strongest on his edges yet. As far as injuries are concerned, the Leafs seem to be okay with them. Uh, Colorado. Now going to lose McKinnon for for four weeks. So. Colorado's lost everyone. The, like the list is crazy. McKinnon, Landis, like a dozen Nichushkin, guys. Their, Manson. Their call ups are getting hurt. Yeah. Oh, they're a disarray. But they do have a little bit of a softer schedule ahead. We know they're a good team, but yeah, you get to the point where you just can't fall too far behind, and they are in that wild card spot right now in the Western Conference with Calgary on their heels, Nashville right there. The Canucks exist still. So 
um, I saw their their uh, depth chart tweeted out today. The Avs? Yeah, their Avs. So their top line is Alex Newhook, Miko Rantanen, and Charles Houdon. Oh. Second line. <laughs> He's an American leader. Second line is Cogliano, JT Comfort, Logan O'Connor. Mm-hmm. And okay. then Dryden Hunt, Jean-Luc Foodie or Fody, Martin Kaut. Third, fourth line, Sempo Ranta, Ben Myers, Cal Burke are people. It looks like they're <laughs> random name generator. Yeah, like that's, this is going to be a tough stretch for them to stay relevant, right? Like that's not a good team. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's tough, man. Gerard McCarr, Taves though, they, Johnson, they are, McDonald England. They, they are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're just make the playoffs. Just get in. Just, just get in. We got a chance. In. We'll get healthy and we'll be an eight seed. And, you know, whoever Vegas will once again have their hearts ripped out. Vegas are kind of putting together a sad story of good hockey and getting hurt. How relatable. Panthers lose to Paul Maurice. His Paul Maurice's Panthers lose to Winnipeg as uh, he returns. Uh, that was nice reception. Uh, I was surprised by how positive the reception was. I had was Why? under the impression that no, people no, would have felt no. like There's he a lot of Paul's a good man. He and is. He, I, I'm a big and fan. And it's a small community. So, but that's he, why wouldn't he, they feel like they left? He left them. Uh, I, I listen, uh, if Winnipeg's sitting in the bottom of the division right now, maybe there's booze, yeah. but they're happy. They're happy right now. He said they're, they're squeezing the game, way more out of them than I think people expected, and that's all that matters to them. Yeah. He said before the game that he regrets not leaving the team prior to the season. And they said, they asked him why as a follow-up. And he said, um, well, not not why, but, you know, what kind of what was it about it, the whole thing? And he was talking about their arc. He's like, you know, I came here. They hadn't won a playoff game. You know, we got 114 points. And then he's kind of going like and talking about them cresting and yeah. going the other direction. I don't think he anticipated that the Jets would be doing this good. Part of that is Hellebuck, I think, playing really well. But yeah, he's a... Really good goal. Yeah, he stops it a lot. He's kind of good. Yeah, but <laughs> I so, think part of it is just surprise on his part. Uh, apologies? To the Jets, no. I still don't think they're... Okay. Yeah, I'm not there Gepper? yet. Because uh, I'm saying sorry. Yeah, I'm going to say sorry, too. Not me digging in, boys. Wow. Yeah, I am. Is it too late now to say sorry? <laughs> it, it's still... There, there's still some hard decisions to be made. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There are... Like, I'm not sure what this team, again, is going to look like in 18 months. Yeah. And, you know, that whole Blake Wheeler thing was just really goofy for me. And Paul Maurice loved him, and they certainly couldn't strip him down. I mean, are you looking to get into a pissing match, me, you and I? (laughs) Is that that a line? Oh, that's Blake Wheeler. Like, there's no way they could have done what they've done to Blake Wheeler this year and, and dress him down if Paul Maurice was still there. Yeah. Because, I, I don't know, I just looked look through this lineup, and I sent you guys their bottom, you know, nine or whatever. It's Michael Isamont and Morgan Barron and Saku Menelainen and Axel Johnson fialbi and David Gustafson. Like, sorry. Those, those names sound better than the Colorado names. Not sold. <laughs> just not sold that this is a... Okay. Yeah, I think they're... Second best team in Canada right now. Fringe no playoff team. And well, how about I'm gonna get uh, for that, Spencer Knight? Not, uh, not fringe, outright bad. Though he, they pa- shot the Panthers hockey puck through him. Panthers missed the playoffs? Yes. I think so. Oh, yeah. I think so. And that's 
like it was questionable in terms of how close they could come to last year. Everybody thought this is a worse team than mm-hmm. the one that they had last year. And Consensus the cap for sure. is killing them. Absolutely butchering that roster. Yeah, but yeah. not to the point where we thought they'd missed the playoffs. Yeah. No, it's a significant drop here. And, you know, I hate to say it, but kind of good news for the the old Maplers here in the division. Hey, who the Leafs playing in the playoffs in the first round? Right now. Jeremy? As of today? As of today, it is the Detroit Red Yeah. Oh, my God, please. There's the bouncy lead. There you please. go. <laughs> Anyone with, except the Bruins. Wow. Or, God, or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Please. Can we just end the season right now for Sammy, please? Leafs Red Wings, best of seven. Yes. Dylan Larkin scores 48 goals in seven yeah. years. And the- <laughs> Game seven in overtime. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, no, no. That's a that's, that's a sweep. A sweep. We yeah. joke. There you go. Okay. Our thanks to Kristen Shilton from ESPN. Bob Stoffer as well stopped by talking Oilers. We're back tomorrow. Stay safe, everybody.